Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. All right. Who's seen Coach Carter? Show of hands. Couple of fans. Rich Watt. All right, a couple of takers there. Made me look like a goose. Thank you very much. Rich what? Richmond. So Coach Carter. Coach Carter. It's a 2005 movie release in that year um, where this film is based. The city of Richmond in California was the 12th most dangerous city in the United States based on crime rates, high-level crime rates. It is a tough place to live. But it's based on a true story, right? So Samuel L. Jackson plays a guy called, plays the role of a guy called Ken Carter. Ken Carter was a two-time All-American high school basketball player. And in, in this story, he goes back to his high school, where it all started, um, to try and coach young basketball players into success. So it was a really rough neighbourhood. It still is from my research. I've never been to Richmond. Um, But the movie makes it very clear that these kids are really troubled. And so, um, like Phoebe said, it is a great movie. You've seen it a few times, isn't it? I love Samuel L. Jackson, one of my favourite actors of all time. If he is not uh, giving wise counsel to Jedi Knights or if he's not managing some snakes on a plane, then he's doing something like this. He's right... He's acting in a really cool movie like Coach Carter. If you've seen The Blind Side or Remember the Titans or one of those kind of sport movies that uh, have a good, feel-good, true story, then you'll actually like this movie. It it is really cool. Five stars from me, by the way. It is really cool. Um, And I must apologise two weeks in a row for sport movies here at the chapel. So if you're not a sport movie lover, I'm sorry. Um, But if you are a sport movie lover, I'm not actually sorry. It's actually, I actually really like uh, this movie. But anyway, so this movie is all about putting value on people, putting discipline on young guys and seeing them succeed, seeing the fruit in someone, seeing the goodness in someone. And we just, uh, we just watched that clip, and I apologise for the use of the word uh, suicides in there. If that word was triggering, um, I, I wish I was able to actually um, give you the warning there. But, uh, but we see this clip in by a young guy called Timo Cruz. He is banished from the team because of disciplinary reasons. Um, and so he's trying to work his way back onto the team and in that sequence he's he's given what was it 80 suicides laps of the of the basketball court and 500 push-ups I don't know about you but I don't get anywhere near 500 push-ups and I certainly don't want to start running suicides never done them before but it is hard work and the reason that that scene is so gripping is that it's it's all about this young guy who's trying to work his way back into what he can't achieve He's got an impossible feat that he's trying to get on top of. And it was set as a goal for him, with the, designed for him to fail that. It was actually designed for him to fail. And so I love that scene. 
because it shows that he is so determined to work his way back onto the team because he can see the value of being part of that that young crew. He can see something good is going on with his teammates and so he wants back in. And so he's willing to do all he can to get back into the good books of Coach Carter. And I I love the fact that his teammates step in as well because they see that it is so difficult, even bordering on impossible, for crews to get back into the team to get by doing those exercises. And so they actually step in knowing full well that it's impossible. And I love the fact that Coach Carter sees the value in this kid and sees the determination, but he still managed, he still maintains that he has to do 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. He doesn't change the requirement there because he's trying to put value in the task and value on the discipline that it takes to get back in. He's sticking to the expectations he's setting for this young man. And I feel like this scene encapsulates the gospel of Jesus Christ that our debts are too great for us to handle. And no matter how much we try in this world, no matter how much good we do, um, no matter how much money we give to Nepal, no matter how much uh, we, we give to the church, no matter how much we do, no matter how much like we heard what Dice uh, was saying in the video testimony, no, no matter how good a Catholic someone is or how bad a Catholic someone is or how good a Christian is or bad a Christian is, nobody can work off the debt that our sin manages to build up. Nobody. And so this is the beauty of this this movie, is that we cannot actually get on top of the debt that our sin uh, actually builds up. Romans 3.19 says, We know that everything in the law was written for those who are under its power. The law says these things to stop anyone from making excuses and to let God show that the whole world is guilty. God doesn't accept people simply because they obey the law. No, indeed, all the law does is to point out our sin. Now we see how God makes us acceptable to him. The law and the prophets tell how we become acceptable, and it isn't by obeying the law of Moses. God treats everyone alike. He accepts people only because they have faith in Jesus Christ. All of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You know, what blows my mind about God, what really highlights his goodness for people is that knowing that I am a sinner, he still puts immeasurable value on me. Something that I can't quantify, something that I can't justify, something that I cannot reconcile, but only by the fact that I can put my faith in Jesus and my sins are forgiven, my sins are dealt with, my sins are behind me and my sins are no more. Is somebody going to get excited about that? Or am I the only sinner here? Yeah? All right. A couple of people, a couple of hands. You're good Pentecostals. (laughs) Romans 3.24. So this is leading on from what I was saying. But God treats us much better than we deserve. And because of Christ Jesus, he freely accepts us and sets us free from our sins. That is all. That, that, That is all. 
And so I, I have to believe that following Jesus is the best thing for me, that it is enough for me, and that by imitating the life of Jesus, I can actually live out the purposes that he has for my life. And that's what Coach Carter is trying to put on these young players. He's trying to put value on them. And he says that whenever these guys choose to follow his coaching methods, they will succeed. So he actually says in the movie, which isn't in the clips that I'm showing this morning, that they are 80% more likely to go to prison than they are to go to college. 80%. Those stats are just horrendous. And so if you know anything about the American sporting program in high school, college is the way out. College is the saviour for some of these kids who would grow up on the wrong tracks, who on the other side of the tracks. College is uh, the only way out of poverty for some people. And so if you've got a a bunch of rough young guys who can play a bit of basketball, then their only way out is through college. And so this is what this coach Carter is putting on these young guys. And so they see the value and throughout the movie, they start to see that if they follow coach Carter and follow his determined goals, that they will actually succeed. You know, the book of Philemon is uh, one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's towards the back end of your Bible, if you want to read it. Hasn't got any chapters. Well, it's got one chapter. It's just verses. It's that short. And so Paul writes to his friend Philemon, and Paul is in prison. He's been imprisoned improperly, um, and and he's writing this encouraging letter towards his friend Philemon. Now, Philemon is a guy who's become a Christian. He's a wealthy business and he's going about building a house church and he has this employee or slave, not sure what it is. The Bible says slave, but it's kind of different. They didn't have workers' unions. They didn't have enterprise agreements back then. They just had slaves and they had employees, but slaves had some freedoms, but not a lot. So this guy called Onesimus is a slave of Philemon and Onesimus runs away. He abandons his employment. Now Onesimus is a troubled person. He's not a troublemaker, but he's a troubled person. How many of us know that if you don't know the right way to do something, it's likely that you'll do it the wrong way? It doesn't mean that you're bad. doesn't mean that you're, you're wrong. It just means you haven't been shown the correct way to do things. And that's what Coach Carter is all about. These kids have no idea. They're from the hood. They just know that they can play a bit of basketball and enjoy high school and enjoy the fame of that little fish pond. But then they're not thinking about their next. They're not thinking about their life and the consequences of their decisions as teenagers. We've all been teenagers, haven't we? We didn't think about the consequences of our actions and decisions. Well, I didn't. But by the grace of God, I came out all right. Married for 12 years. Yeah. All right. But anyway, the book of Philemon. Here's a few things that we can pull out of it. And this is what we learn. Paul and Philemon have a strong friendship with one another as mature Christians. Verse 7, My friend, your love has made me happy and has greatly encouraged me. It has also cheered the hearts of God's people. 
we also learn that Onesimus was not the greatest employee or slave. Let's just blur the lines there. Verse 10, I beg you to help Onesimus. He is like a son to me because I led him to Christ here in jail. Pretty cool, that. Um, Before this, he was useless to you. That is the worst work performance review ever. You do not want to hear your boss say that you are useless to your boss, yeah? But anyway, apparently Onesimus was useless to his employer. Verse 11, before this he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. And by having a strong friendship, Paul and Philemon could spur one another on in the things of God to encourage one another as Christians and to think bigger, to think greater, to think broader. Verse 17 says, Paul says, if you consider me a friend because of Christ, then welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. If he has cheated you or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Here's Paul, one of the most foundational church Members, church builders in the history of Christianity. And he is writing about this guy who has a criminal conviction, meets Jesus in jail, has a debt to pay to his, to his boss, and he needs to get out and reconcile that. And Paul goes, no, no, hang on. I can see the value of this guy who was troubled, found Jesus, and is now improving. And I can see the value on him because of that. And I'm going to guarantee you, Philemon, that this guy has got the goods, that he is worthy of putting value in. And I am going to guarantee it by saying that I will pay for the debt that he has left. I will charge it to my account. You know, we cannot make a person more valuable as a human. We cannot, we cannot look at someone and make them more valuable, but we can make them feel more valuable. We can make them know that they are valuable. And we do that first because Christ put his value in us as Christians. That doesn't mean that Christians are better. It just means that Christians know that they are valued by God. And this is the message of the gospel, that we need to put value on people who don't understand the love of God. See, the love of God is so pure. It's so big. It's so awesome. It's so forgiving. It's bigger than we can fathom. And it doesn't have any qualifiers. It doesn't have any restrictions. It freely flows out to anyone who will put their faith in Jesus. It is immeasurably valuable. Who feels immeasurably valuable here this morning? All the Christians said? Amen. Amen. All right. You're feeling valuable? Or are you just feeling tired? Fine. Um, but we can, we can put value on people because Christ first loved us. 1 John 4.13 says, God has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. 1 John 4.13, God has given us his spirit. This is how we know we are one with him just as he is one with us. God sent his son to be the saviour of the world. We saw his son and are now telling others about him. God stays one with everyone who openly says Jesus is the son of God. This is how we stay one with God and are sure God loves us. God is love. 
if we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God and he will stay one with us. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. We can only see Christ's value in other people if we first understand the value he has placed on us. If we're speaking value not from him, then we can't project his value onto other people. And everyone is valued by Jesus. Everyone. Everyone. Not the elect not the Christians, not the people who live a good life, not the people who have a clean criminal record. Everyone is valuable in Christ. It's not a bar graph. Everyone is equal in Christ. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. You treat your children differently to other children, don't you? Yeah? You treat your children differently because you see the value in them. Not that you don't see the value in other children, but you feel different about your own children. Romans 8, 17 says, If we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, Paul, when he writes to Philemon, isn't necessarily rebuking him. Even though the language is quite direct and he's saying, take Onesimus back. He's not so much rebuking him, but he's encouraging him. He's making him think about a higher level of managing this young guy. And so in verse 16, Paul calls all three of them brothers. Brothers are equal, aren't they? If they're in the same family, they're heirs of the same fortune or will or whatever you want to call it. They have the same name, the same DNA. They are not the same DNA. That's unscientific. They have very similar DNA from the same part of the gene pool, but they have different DNA. I corrected that, did I? Yep, cool. Science. Woo! Um, (laughs) Which I failed in year 10. And I'm married a lady who works in medicine. Anyway, uh, God's got a good sense of humour. But Paul isn't rebuking Philemon. He's calling him a brother. Now, Paul is an apostle of Christ. Paul has a very important job to do, and he did it really well. Now, if we're looking at ranks socially, Paul is right up there. Philemon is a wealthy businessman and a house church leader. He's got employees. He's a pretty important dude as well. And then you've got Onesimus, who has found Christ in jail and he's probably going to get a bad reference check from his former employee. That's not a good place to be in. But verse 16 in Philemon says they are brothers, not apostle, leader, business manager and criminal, brothers, all the same, all the same level. And that's the immeasurable value of Christ on us, is that it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how well you've been a Christian. It doesn't even matter if you're not a Christian. God still loves you the same, the same. And so my Bible has this one-line summary of what the book of Philemon is about. And it says this, take time to help the guy who is messed up. I like that. Take time to help the guy who is messed up. See, Paul did this to Onesimus. He took the time to write a letter 
to his employer to say, hey, take time to help the guy who's messed up. And I guarantee you it will be fruitful. And by all accounts, from as far as I can read in commentaries and historical books, Onesimus went on to help plant churches and raise Christians and build leaders and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ through the known world because someone spoke value on him. Someone said there's a better way. Someone said you've got value, you can be honoured and you can build God's kingdom even though I've found you in a spot of bother. And that's what Paul went through as well. Paul He murdered Christians, got saved on the road to Damascus and then built the church. If anyone knows about the immeasurable value of Christ on their life, it is Paul. Why don't we we watch uh, clip three? Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Deepest fears that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Sir, I just want to say thank you. You saved my life. Thank you, sirs. So so that scene is the culmination of the fruit of what Coach Carter puts on to his players. And all through the movie, Coach Carter asks Cruz, um, what is your deepest fear, son? And so Cruz will just be about to run onto the basketball court in the middle of the game and Samuel L. Jackson, by the way, the L stands for legend as far as I'm concerned, Samuel L. Jackson will speak to him and go, what is your deepest fear, son? As he starts to run onto the court and he's like, why are you asking me this? And then that speech is one where this kid finally gets it and he's sitting studying on a basketball court showing full well that he finally gets it, that he finally sees the value that Carter has put on him. And that speech is pretty cool. Like when I first saw the movie and I heard those words, I almost thought that he was going to reference a Bible verse there. Like I, it was, it's, I, I was kind of flicking through my Bible thinking, is that like in the back of it somewhere that I haven't read for years? Like where is that from? But it's not. It's from the book of Samuel L. Jackson, chapter 1. And so it says that we are powerful beyond measure. 
powerful beyond measure. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in us. And I'm going to redeem some of this speech right now. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Are you, are you a little bit scared about what God could do through you in a good way? Like, are you excited to the point of being scared about how big God's plans could be for your life? The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean be afraid of God. It just means get excited about what God can do through you. And so uh, powerful beyond measure. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, we're powerful beyond measure. He also says, we were all meant to shine. He also says, as we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You know, the world needs more Christians out there where their presence will liberate other people. Not Christians that will judge or speak negativity over another person, turn their nose up, turn away from them. Our world needs more Christians who are actually going to be there and that their presence, because of the Holy Spirit living in them, can start liberating others, can start being a light shining on to them. It's almost biblical. And so if you're, in the, if you're going to grab one thing out of this this morning, I want to say that value costs nothing. Value costs nothing. That those three words don't make logical sense. But in this moment, putting value on someone else at any stage because of the value Christ has put in us and on us, it costs us nothing as Christians. Now, it might cost a little bit of time. It might help to, it might hurt to really rack your brains about someone who you might want to bless. It might cost a bit of money. It might cost a bit of emotion trying to speak into someone who annoys you. But Christ calls us to do that. As Christians, He calls us to do that, to speak value over people. And it doesn't cost us anything. You know what, I want to ask you a question this morning because I believe that most people in this room, if not all people in this room, would have gone out of their way to help someone and not gotten anything in return. Whatever that looks like. Parents, hello, are you with me this morning? Yeah, all right, cool. I've got two little blessings sometimes, all the time, but I know that feeling, right? Or you might have some hard family members or a sibling you don't get along with. You might have lost a friend, not because they died, but they may not no longer be your friend. You've put some value on them. You've put time, attention, resource. You might have invited them over for a meal and not gotten return invite. Come on, let's get over that. Let's get over that. And you haven't got anything in return, and that is okay. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says this, and this is Paul speaking again in another letter. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. Not the results of their labour, but their labour. Doesn't matter if people walk away from you, just do it. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And so, are you willing to step out and help someone? 
Are you willing to step out and put value on someone? You know, I listened to a podcast and it calls, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's the title. Pretty clever. And the guy uh, that runs it, Frank Turak, is a clever guy. Um, but in a recent episode, he gives six, re- six reasons why Hamas are evil. Um, pretty easy to get six, isn't it, if you start a war? But anyway, I'm not here to make a political comment. I'm here to, here to uh, convey his words. And so he, he goes through these six reasons as to why Hamas are evil. And then he actually turns the tone and he says... If we label these people as savages or animals, then we don't evaluate the situation properly. We dehumanise them. They are made in the image of God just like you and me. You ever been compared to war criminals? No, but you will in this podcast episode. Back to his words. If they were animals, they wouldn't be morally responsible. The biggest thing we want to pray for is salvation for these people because it is the ultimate thing. Wow. You can pray for peace. You can pray for resources. You can pray for ceasefire. You can pray for all of those things. But ultimately, what is bigger, what is greater, what is more powerful is that people know their value in Jesus because when people know their value in Jesus Christ, they act differently. They think differently. They, they live differently. And so when we feel that immeasurable value of Christ, it drives us to put that immeasurable value onto other people. And, and when other people feel that value, they pass it on to other people as well. And so when we see humans as we are, it motivates us to pray for them. And that's what the world needs. We don't need any more division We don't need any more Christians being nice to people and that's the limit of what we do. High fives and back slaps are fantastic, but what we need is the people of God to stand up and pray for other humans, to see the value on other people, to to feel the value in them because of the saving nature of Jesus and to project that onto people and to pray for people and to pursue people in the name of Jesus. So Paul writes this beautiful letter to his mate Philemon and he says that Christ's value is on the criminal. And 2,000 years later, we have this beautiful letter where we can see that value doesn't cost anything to give. Value is immeasurable and value is for everyone. Everyone. And our world is yearning to feel valued. We need to get over some of our issues and all the issues that we struggle with are valid. I'm not saying get over your issues, but as a collective human race, we need to see beyond our issues and see that Jesus puts his value on us. We need to feel that. When people feel like they are valued because of Christ in them, they act differently. There is healing in Christ. There is encouragement in Christ. There is new life in Christ. There is new plans in Christ. There is life and love in Christ. And so when we look up to heaven and we see Jesus, we feel that value. And then when we look down on other people, not down on other people, but when we look around and see people, we feel for them and we treat them differently. And I know that there are people here this morning who need a body.
boss like Philemon to speak value over them, who need a pastor like Paul to speak value over them. And I'm saying it this morning that anyone can have that value in Jesus Christ if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Scriptures were clear, we've already read it, that if we believe in Jesus and we hand our life over to Him, we receive that value. It's not scary, it's not big, it's not a blood commitment. It is just a decision to step out and go, you know what, God, I want to feel that value. We're going to have the prayer team up here towards the end of the service and we've got confidential, uh, we've got people who will pray for you confidentially. If you would like to receive Jesus this morning, then we have that opportunity right here in just a few moments. And so as I break and we hand back over to Phoebe, I want to say that you matter. The scriptures are very clear from that. You matter. Your value is strong. Your value is held in Christ. You can't get it from a friend. You can't get it from your bank account. You can't get it from the car you drive or the house you live in or the spouse you have. You can't get it but you can get value in Jesus. Father God, we just thank you that you would pursue us, that you would send your son to earth to die on the cross, to handle our yucky sins so that we can have value, that we can have honour, that we can have a seat, we can have a seat in heaven and we can have eternal life. And so God, I just thank you that that's so freeing. Let us bask in your value this morning as we learn more about you and we step closer towards you. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.